This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome back to Chicago Shuffle, your one and only Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Perez. I have the privilege of serving as the managing editor over at USA Today's BearsWire.com. You can throw me a follow on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL, and that's Brian with a Y. I'm joined once again tonight by Bears Wire contributor Alyssa Barbieri, who you could follow over at Twitter at Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa's doing some great work for us over at BearsWire.com. Make sure you follow her on Twitter because she's bringing the Bears knowledge every single day. Alyssa, welcome back to Chicago Shuffle, but more importantly, welcome back to football season now that we have an actual game on the ledger. The Carolina Panthers, the Bears came up short, but it doesn't matter this time of year. Preseason wins and losses are the least relevant part of the actual action. Welcome back to football, Alyssa. It's great seeing football on my screen again, even if it is meaningless preseason football. I shouldn't say meaningless because there are some, obviously some of our up and coming guys on the roster to watch, but it is football. Even if the starters aren't playing, it's exciting to see them going out there and playing a team that is not the Bears. Like we heard their Prince Mukamara and Javon Wims got into a fight at practice. Sometimes they just need to hit another team. It's true. You know, tempers flare and, and frustration, especially at positions where they're going up against each other every single day in the summer heat in the middle of training camp. Receivers and cornerbacks, defensive backs, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. That's traditionally where those scuffles will break out. And the word Tuesday of uh, the fight on Tuesday between Javon Wims and Prince of Mukamara, that's, that's commonplace around the league. And one of the things that I think Bears fans should be pretty optimistic about, though, is the way both Wims and Amukamara handled it. It literally was like a pair of brothers, an in-family fight that, you know what, the minute it was over, it, they hugged it out and they moved on. And that just kind of shows where this Bears team is at from a bonding standpoint. And that's that's half the battle. You know, you have guys that want to play with each other and for each other during the during the season, guys that are going to go to battle with each other week in and week out, down in and down out. And that, you know, some of the, sometimes those guys are going to fight each other, but it's like the old adage, you know, family members, you you know, you could punch each other or insult each other, but nobody else better try to do that. And, and that seems to be what's building in Chicago. And, you know, let's just talk real quick, Alyssa, before we move on to, you know, some of the talking points in the Bears universe and even the Giants game coming up on Friday night. 
the Carolina Panthers game. I know it's, it was last Thursday, and David Montgomery was obviously the talk of the game, the toast of the town, the hype train. The David Montgomery hype train is off and running, not like it wasn't already before this game. But his six touches for 46 yards and his beautiful seven-yard touchdown run really set this into a different level now. I mean, David Montgomery is now your fantasy football sleeper. I don't even know if he's a sleeper anymore. He's a guy now that in fantasy football circles are talking about a potential RB1 type of player, top 12 running back. And once you start getting that fantasy football momentum, the rest of the league basically you know, just starts taking notice. And I was so impressed with David Montgomery on Thursday night because – Everything he showed us as uh, in terms of as a draft prospect, everything that he put on tape at Iowa State from his contact balance to his vision to his change of direction to his ability to make the most of his 4-6 speed. It's not like he's going to be a field flipper in the NFL, but he wasn't that guy at Iowa State either, but he does. He is such an efficient runner. He takes such efficient steps. Every step he runs with has a purpose and a direction. And sometimes guys that run a 4-6 but are efficient with their 4-6 actually cover more ground than the 4-3 guys that don't know where the hell they're going. So Montgomery, my goodness, I mean – I'm just so excited about what this guy could become because number one, you read all the articles and you find out all the backstory about him and his character is top notch. He's a guy that you want to cheer for. He's, you know, like Matt Nagy said, he's got, he's got rare DNA, uh, running through his, his system. And, um, you know, when you have a guy that has such high character and is a player that you want to cheer for and you want to see succeed, and then he actually brings that to the table, he looks like the kind of guy who could be a 1,300-yard back in the NFL as a rookie. It's just like the stars are aligning, especially for a team that has such a storied tradition and history at running back. The last great one, I guess you could argue, is Matt Forte. Before that, you know, Walter Payton, even Neil Anderson, Gail Sayers. The list goes on and on. A little sprinkling of Jordan Howard there for a couple of seasons. The Bears need a great running back if they're going to have a great season. And it looks like Montgomery could be that guy. What do you think, Alyssa? What were your takeaways from Montgomery's performance? I know that it was preseason. I know that it is one game, but I'm completely bought into what Montgomery is doing. We heard, and I got to see it in person, what he was able to do in training camp, in practice, and I feel like we were all waiting for that moment for him to get in that live game action to see what he can do. And what was really impressive was that we didn't see him as you know that often, but what he was able to do with those touches, with those receptions that he had, it just showed the potential and what he can do, how dangerous he can be in this offense. And it feels like we finally... Jordan Howard wasn't that running back that was going to fit Nagy's offense. It feels like we had that missing puzzle piece that can really make this offense go into, it can take it in so many different directions. And just getting a glimpse of that in preseason, it, it was very exciting, the highlight of the week. And you know, it's not just, and it's even more than that, right? It's the way he plays, the way he runs. It's just exciting to watch. I mean, it's not just a guy who was productive, right? It was a guy who was productive in an exciting way. When he caught that 23-yard uh, when he, you know, the catch and run, the way he just, you know, froze the defender in the open field, which allowed him to kind of turn the corner on him and get an extra five or six yards. I mean, that's an exciting thing to watch as a football fan. And, and let's face it, this is a this is a game of entertainment. I mean, fans want to be entertained while they're watching the product on the field. And with a guy who could get 20 to 25 touches a game 
the running back position in, in particular, you want that player to be entertaining, to kind of bring you to your feet or have some of those moments where you're just left breathless for, you know, by the, the, the running back juking the defender or just making a play, something out of nothing, bullying through three or four tackles. Jordan Howard, for as great as he was, he wasn't that kind of an entertaining runner. Devin Hester, back in the day, Devin Hester was probably the most entertaining football player of the modern era of Chicago Bears, right? That guy, anytime he touched the football, it was must-see TV. And, you know, he wasn't a running back, but my point is basically that players like a Hester, even a Matt Forte to a a lesser degree as compared to Hester, when these guys had the ball in their hand, you couldn't take your eyes off the television. And it feels to me, it just feels like David Montgomery could be that kind of player, even without that elite speed that from – when Devin Hester would field the kickoff, everybody had their eyes on the TV. When Matt Forte would catch a pass out of the backfield, you wanted to see what was he going to do with the ball. And David Montgomery feels like that new era player who's going to bring that type of excitement to Soldier Field. I just can't wait. I mean, he was my number one running back in the draft class. I took a little heat for that, having him rated over Josh Jacobs. We don't know what Jacobs will be. Jacobs didn't play in the Raiders' first preseason game, but I'm, I'm very confident after seeing what Montgomery did against the Panthers that, you know, it wasn't a far-fetched opinion to have him ranked as the top guy in the class. And we'll see how much he plays Friday night against the Giants. You know, now that we have one good game of film with him already in the coffers here, I don't know how much more Nagy's going to play him because it's clear what he's going to bring to the offense. What do you think, Alyssa? Do you think, you know, Montgomery should play more? I mean, we talked last episode about the risk versus reward of playing starters in the preseason. I think Montgomery established himself pretty pretty clearly that he's going to be a big part of this offense. Have we already seen enough even after just one preseason game and six touches? I feel like as fans, we want to see more, obviously. And I feel like that second game, I think we're going to see uh, those starters. I think we'll see Trubisky in the second game a little bit, maybe even throwing a pass. I think that we'll see Montgomery in that second game. I would like to, what like thinking about back to our conversation last week, I really now want to put him like, just like in a bubble and a protective bubble and just save him for the regular season and unleash him on the Packers come week one. Um, I, I obviously as a fan want to see more of him and it's going to be hard to be patient until that regular season. I do think we'll see him uh, against the Giants on Friday, but I would like to just protect him. <laughs> you know, that's a really good point you make too, right? I mean, one of the things you don't want to do is give the Packers enough film to build a decent scouting report on him either. I mean, you don't want Green Bay to be able to watch – 15 or 20 uh, David Montgomery carries in the preseason to try to get an idea or understanding of what he does well, where he wins as a runner, what some of his tendencies might be. You know, 20 carries is a very small sample size, and it's not like a defensive coordinator would be able to figure out his game entirely. But why give Green Bay more information than they need, right? So with Montgomery playing on Thursday night, I think he showed Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and the rest of the Bears decision makers, you know, this is the guy, right? Mike Davis, when he was in, he had a nice 12-yard run or whatever it was to start the game, but he looked a lot like that Jordan Howard type of, you know, I don't want to say replaceable starter or replacement type player, but he looked like a good NFL running back who will make decent plays when his number is called, but not special, right? And Mike Davis has had plenty of time to prove whether he is or not special. Uh, as a running back in the league, he's been more of a reserve-type rotational player, and that's great. I, I I love the guy. I think he brings a lot to the team. But David Montgomery just 
looks and feels different. And I don't think it would be to the advantage of the Bears to have him put a lot more reps on tape for the for the opponents that they have early in the season to get a feel for what he's like. You want there to be some shock and awe when he plays Thursday night in the opener against the Packers, going up a Packer going up against the Packers defensive line or linebacker group that doesn't know enough about him to really know how to attack him when he has the ball. Does he make the cutback? Does he like to lower his pads and deliver first contact? Is he a guy that tries to turn the corner with speed? These Every little clue that a defender can use to their advantage, they're going to try to use when they're watching tape to prepare for a game. So having less information about a specific starter obviously works in the Bears' advantage. So I don't know how much more we're going to see him. Maybe he lines up with the ones and actually takes a handoff you know, from Trubisky or, or runs, but you know, just gets the feel of being with the first teamers. I don't know. But I, I think if he does get any more carries in the preseason, it'll be Friday night and probably that's it. I, I would imagine the last two games he doesn't play much. So let's transition into this in terms of who should play and for how long on Friday against the Giants. And, you know, we had this debate last week, Alyssa, about Mitch Trubisky. I know you said, you know, having him play, maybe take a hit or two, just kind of get his body back into football mode would be something that you think could potentially be beneficial for him, you know, as we embark on the regular season. I just, I don't know if we're going to see any pass attempts from him, to be honest with you. I I just don't know if Nagy is going to allow his starter to be exposed, not just for the physicality, the physical part of it, possibly risking injury, but I don't think he wants to give the media any more fuel than they already have right now to kind of attack him. And let's just say Trubisky played Friday night against the Giants and actually does throw, you know, three or four passes. If he goes one for four for nine yards, right, or one for three for nine yards, and it's it's kind of a three and out series and his passes look inaccurate or maybe a little confusion with the receivers. I mean, what do you think is going to happen, right? I mean, it's going to be a firestorm over the most meaningless three throws he'll make all year. You're going to have all the Twitter trolls and the Mitch haters, which which honestly, I was pretty surprised how many anti-Mitch or just Mitch trolls exist on Twitter. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by it. I think we've seen it and we know it exists since the Bears selected Trubisky in 2017. People kind of want him to fail, right, because of the way the Bears acquired him. But it was pretty surprising this week that there was like a lot of even some high-profile people, even some of the beat writers coming out and almost like setting up Mitch to have, I, I don't know what the right way to describe it is, almost like they're expecting him to fail or that Matt Nagy's losing confidence in him. How, how are you reading the tea leaves here on the whole Trubisky saga? And, and do you think he's being treated unfairly by the beat writers and just mainstream media guys as we kind of inch closer to the regular season? I feel like we don't see a player like Mitch Trubisky. We don't see a, a, another player that's being as analyzed and just like everything's like under a microscope, every training camp throw, uh, every preseason, well, he hasn't thrown yet. Um, but like we were talking about last week, I think it goes back to the fact that these people want to be right. So coming out of the draft, you know, they had their opinion about the Bears selecting Trubisky. They were saying it was the wrong pick, that he's going to be a bust. So they need to justify their opinion. And I feel like they're going to take whatever ammunition that they can and twist it so it fits their narrative. Uh Kind of thinking about this this week, you know, obviously if he goes out there like you were saying and he goes one for three or if he throws an interception or if he makes a mistake, everyone's going to be all over that. And it's going right back to training camp where we're overanalyzing, you know, 
preseason or overanalyzing training camp. It's, it's one throw out of three. It's not, it's not a regular season game. They're still working things out. Um, I don't think that, like you said, I'll be surprised if he does throw a pass. Um, Matt Nagy said that he would certainly be happy if the next pass that Trubisky throws is that regular season opener against the Packers. And he was saying that he got Trubisky in there just to kind of get in the rhythm of the game again and to feel that. So I would not be surprised if he doesn't throw another pass until September 5th. Yeah, and honestly, the last thing the Bears want to deal with, whether it's Trubisky or Nagy or either one of them, is dealing with a bunch of reporters who suddenly have turned their attention from the kicker competition to the quarterback situation, right? But there is no quarterback situation in Chicago. It's a young starting quarterback who is still evolving and developing as a pro who's going to have good days and bad days. Sometimes he'll go on bad stretches. Sometimes there's going to be throws that make you question who the heck he is as a player. And sometimes there's going to be throws that make you say, wow, the Bears have one of the best quarterbacks quarterbacks in the NFL over the next several seasons he'll settle into the player that he's ultimately going to be but to be to have to deal with reporters and questions based on a preseason performance or a throw or two from preseason seems very counterproductive to me and and would hurt the overall development of the offense if you have receivers who have to answer questions about Trubisky a coaching staff that has to answer questions about him himself having to answer questions about his own play rather than maintaining this positive momentum and upswing toward the regular season where everybody's marching to the beat of the same drum. Everybody is, uh, is, is, is in lockstep with this very positive, optimistic feel about the offense ready to go to that advanced class level versus where they were last year. So I just think the, the downside of, of even risking a Trubisky narrative shift I think the narrative has shifted already for some reason. You know, a couple beat reporters want to come out and say that Trubisky's been inconsistent or that, you know, maybe a a quote of Matt Nagy's was kind of twisted and turned and flipped around to make it read like he's not happy with Mitch Trubisky. And all of a sudden, it's like a wildfire spreading through Twitter about Trubisky being disappointing in training camp. And, you know, essentially is Trubisky the guy to lead this Bears team deep into the playoffs? I mean, Alyssa, if we had a competent field goal kicker last year who converted on a game-winning attempt against the Philadelphia Eagles, the narrative around Mitch Trubisky would be so different right now because he would have been the guy who led the Bears in his first year as a starter down the field in a divisional playoff game against or a wildcard playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles to win, to win a playoff game. He would have been that guy, the guy who proved he can win a playoff game. Guess what? Bears fans, he proved he can win a playoff game. It's not his fault that the kick double doinked. That's not Mitch Trubisky's fault. Mitch Trubisky did what a quarterback is supposed to do in that situation. And guess what? This might come as a shock. Not many quarterbacks can do what he did. He had ice running through his veins in the most important drive of his young career, and he looked the best he's ever played. Like let's let's like kind of analyze this for a second, right? It's not like he just drove the Bears into a winning field goal situation at the end of their season in a playoff game. He did it looking better than he's looked all year. So like the guy rose to the occasion beyond any level of play that he put out on the field for the previous 16 weeks of the regular season and he delivered his best football in the most pressure-filled moment with everything on the line. I don't know why there's like, why is that forgotten? Like why, why did that just suddenly vanish 
from Bears writers and fans' memories. Nobody's bringing up that drive anymore, and it's all because a kicker missed the kick. If that kick was made, Mitch Trubisky would have been crowned as the savior, the next great thing. He would be the franchise quarterback. Instead, we have to fight this narrative that is being shared on Twitter about Trubisky somehow coming up short of expectations. But guys and gals out there, let's talk about expectations. When the football season's here, you guys want to win some money. Football season's a lot of fun because of all the different variables, right? You're a Bears fan, fantasy fan, and some of you guys like to bet on the game. So now that football season is here, it's time to start placing your bets on the NFL and college football. Blue Wire is teaming up with sports information traders and the legend, John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors. So our listeners are given the chance to make more money on football this season. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com backslash blue and get the college football and NFL future plays and make up to 15 times your money for only a $99 investment. Last year, sports information traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the college football championship, making one client alone hundred and ten grand. The year before that, Kurt Presley of Sports Information Traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. John Price and the Sports Information Traders team can guide you on the best ways to make money on future bets and preseason football betting picks. You get all that for just 99 bucks and the opportunity to make 15 times your money. It's totally worth getting into Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN gamblings911.com and entrepreneur magazine and many more john price has successfully uh has been successfully making has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years i'll get that out in, in maybe the third try make a big return for a small investment with sports information traders future picks get started now go to sportsinformationtraders.com backslash blue again sportsinformationtraders.com backslash blue to have your chance at a 15 times return this football betting season. Now that was quite the mouthful, and now we can get back to Bears football. And Alyssa, speaking of Bears football, we did have a little bit of a nugget break uh, on Twitter Tuesday with the release of Emmanuel Hall. I got to say, I was a little upset when I read this. I'm a big Emmanuel Hall fan. I thought Emmanuel Hall was going to make the team. I thought he was a a day two level prospect that the Bears stole in undrafted free agency. And lo and behold, tip of 40 out to Emmanuel Hall's memory. His career, his tenure with the Bears ends without ever seeing a down with that Bears helmet on. What do you think is behind this? I mean, there's got to be more than just his injury, right? I think so, but just like you, I, I was a little upset to see it because I, I was very high on Emmanuel Hall. I hadn't really been impressed from what I had seen when I was up there at training camp. And that I think that was a combination of the fact that he was dealing with injury and he wasn't getting those opportunities. And I think that ultimately affected it. I'm surprised because we know the Bears are likely probably going to keep seven receivers, right? And I think you have those, you have the four locked in, you have Robinson, you have Gabriel Patterson, you have Miller, and I feel like Javon Wins is making this team, and you have Riley Ridley and Marvin Hall, and I feel like Emmanuel Hall might have been on that bubble on the way out. I I thought that they would, you know, I put him on IR, kind of redshirt him. I, I was shocked um, to see that they cut him. Um, what about you? What do you think? 
I was surprised. I, I think, you know, the best ability, I tweeted this out the other day. This is not a new statement. This is something that's been around the football world forever. The best ability is availability. So when you're not around, you're not practicing, you're hurt, you're banged up, you don't give the coaches a chance to understand why you should not get cut, right? A lot of this is is a training camp for especially guys like Emmanuel Hall and the back end of the roster guys. You have to give them a reason not to cut you. Because the reality is they're going to keep the best 53 guys, and there's very little separating guys 49 to 53. I mean, it's usually special teams ability, maybe one electrifying trait like speed, like Emmanuel Hall did bring to the table. But you've got to, you got to be able to show them why you need to be on that 53-man roster. And if you're just nursing injury, which is something Emmanuel Hall dealt with what, during his college career, he had some questions relating to his want to, even at the college level, the desire to kind of get back on the field, the desire in general, which is really, I mean, a guy with that much talent who falls out of the draft, you can only, you know, uh, imagine or just try to come up with these logic or reasoning, like why in the world would this guy who's so good why would he not get drafted when so there's other guys that are not nearly as talented on the field as he is, yet they're getting drafted in the fifth and sixth round? Why would he not get drafted? And I would imagine it's the stuff that we don't get to see, and it might be, you know, maybe he's showing up to treatment late. Maybe he's not showing up for treatment at all. We saw that in Hard Knocks in the first episode with Ronald Ali or whatever his name is, you know, missing treatment on his ankle injury. And John, John Gruden cut him the next day. You know, sometimes when that stuff goes on behind the scenes, if if we didn't see Hard Knocks, right, we wouldn't know that that was why Ali got cut because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing when the can't when the, when you're off the field. Who knows if that's the case with Hall? I don't have any inside information. I don't know, and I'm not saying for sure that he kind of sunk his own ship. But, you know, the other thing is this. Like, the Bears do have seven really good receivers even after Emmanuel Hall. They might be saying to themselves, look, this isn't even about keeping a seventh receiver anymore. We might keep six, and suddenly we got Kareth White, who he had a pretty nice preseason debut. This guy might be an offensive weapon who's able to come into our system and be a fourth running back on an active roster. That's not common. Teams don't usually keep four running backs on an active 53-man roster. Maybe he's playing himself into the conversation for that 53-man roster gig, and it's not about cutting the eighth receiver so it leaves the spot for the seven who are there. Maybe it's just like Emmanuel Hall even fell behind that extra bonus roster guy, like a Kareth White, who is more of a luxury. He'd be a luxury 53-man roster guy at this point when you got David Montgomery, Mike Davis, and Tariq Cohen to keep that fourth running back. You know, is he just doing more? Is he doing more with his reps? Obviously, he did in the first game, preseason game. And you also have Taquan Mazel, who kind of like, he didn't look terrible either at wide receiver. I mean, he looked like a shifty little slot guy who this guy might have made the right call with the position change. And you see this after the first game of the preseason, you're kind of like, you know, who is Emmanuel Hall really competing against? Is he competing against the other receivers to be the seventh receiver? Or now is he just competing against a bunch of playmakers who are just going to be kept by Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to make plays on offense if their number is called? And when you start falling into that category and you're no longer in the mix to be like a game day wide receiver and you're just kind of a guy and with a bunch of guys kind of like that misfit island where it's not necessarily a position that you're battling for, but just that offensive weapon role, he's going to fall behind players who could do more. You know, a Taquan Mizell can can still take, make, take carries out of the backfield. Kareth White can line up in the slot 
and run routes, and he can also take carries out of the backfield. Emmanuel Hall is not that guy. So I have a feeling that you know, if they say if we want to take the Bears at their word when they said it's a numbers game, and you have you know, what numbers are you going up against? I mean, you got 90 guys on a training camp roster. They didn't have to cut him. I mean, unless they're going to make a trade for another kicker here or something like that, they didn't have to cut him. So what is the numbers game? They might've just said it's inevitable. He's not going to make the team because these other guys are showing more in the time that we have him. He hasn't been available. It's time to go. But at the same time, maybe there's been stuff off the field that has, um, you know, just, just made the bears check out who knows, but I, I briefly mentioned, maybe they're going to make a trade for a kicker. And the rumor this week before we recorded tonight, Alyssa, was that the Bears were in the market for a trade for a kicker. They got outbid by the Minnesota Vikings, allegedly. The Vikings uh, offered a fifth-round pick for the Ravens' backup kicker, Vares. I mean, I don't know why I mispronounce his name. You, you know the right name to pronounce, the, the way to pronounce his last name, Alyssa? Vedvik? Vedvik. His first name is Vare, right? Yeah. Um, so Vari Vedvik, the, the, I believe he played at Marshall. He was a, uh, you know, kind of a star of the preseason last year, eight out of nine in the preseason last year. And he looked like a legitimate NFL starting kicker, but obviously the Ravens already have one of the best on the roster. So uh, he hung around because I believe he was banged up, got assaulted or something during the summer and, and they kept him around on the roster. So he's back in the preseason this year and doing okay, even though there have been some reports of him struggling in training camp. And, Lo and behold, the market for Vare Vedvik goes through the roof. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Multiple teams calling the Ravens, the Bears, the Packers were in the mix. The Vikings offered a damn fifth-round pick. I mean, it's insane. The Jets apparently were in the mix. Like, I can't imagine being the Ravens general manager. My phone's blowing up all for a backup kicker. I mean, it's incredible. Kudos to the Ravens for that, but... Kudos to Ryan Pace for holding off and not pulling the trigger on this because something I put out on Twitter the other day as well is his history of success on day three of the draft, ranging from fifth rounder specifically, Bilal Nichols last year, Jordan Howard, Adrian Amos, you know, the list goes on and on with guys that he's drafted in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. To think he might have given up a pick like that for Vedvik would have been very, very disappointing. But where do you stand, Listen, Do you think this is more like just like a, a major signal that the bears kicker still is not yet on the team. Well, Ryan Pace did say that they're keeping all options open. And I figured that would be obviously through the preseason. The fact that Elliot Fryer, Eddie Pinheiro haven't separated themselves at this point in the competition, you know, obviously is a, you know, a little unsettling. You, you would like someone to really branch out, but at, you know, at the same hand, both have been pretty solid. They've had their off days um, and getting to finally see them in live game action was good. When you, when you think about Vedvik, again, you have Fry and you have Pinheiro who have not started a regular season NFL game. If Pace were to bring in Vedvik and trade a fifth round pick for him, you're bringing in another inexperienced kicker who has not played yet. So then again, you have this instability at kicker. You don't know what you're going to be getting. So I still think, I feel like Ryan Pace is so set on one of these guys being his guy. Obviously, that could change in a week. If they go out on Friday against the Giants and completely blow it, he, he could trade for a kicker. Um, the Panthers kicker, his name is escaping me right now. I think it was Sly. He had a pretty decent game against against them um, last week. So, But I mean, Alyssa, really I mean, think about what we're saying here. I mean, no. these dudes were, were pulling for, I mean, this, you got Eddie Pinheiro and Elliot Fry. We're talking about Vedvik and Sly, if that's even his name. I mean, what are we doing? 
This is insane. You're it's talking about kicker. kickers that have not that are just all a roll of the dice. Why in the world would a general manager even consider trading a fifth round pick for a player who has not proven it? on the field. I get if it's Steven Goskowski or some established veteran, high-level kicker. A friggin' Robbie Gold. Trade for Robbie Gold if you're going to make a trade for a kicker. I mean, probably could have realistically traded for him at some point before he signed his his new contract in San Francisco. If you're going to make a trade, give up a higher pick for Robbie Gold. That would make, you know what? I still wouldn't like it, but I'd understand it. This Ravens guy, I don't get it. You know, and now he's on the Vikings. I have, I will be cheering. I have, I generally don't cheer against players. Obviously, against the NFC North, you want to see guys not play their best. This kicker, I mean, I gotta, I gotta see what the Vikings got here. I'm gonna laugh really hard if this guy ends up being just an average run of the mill kicker that they ended up drafting essentially in the fifth round of the 2020 NFL draft, strictly because some random trade market was drummed up by John Harbaugh and the brilliant team at the, you know, staff with the Ravens have managed to, to blow this guy's market beyond anything I could have ever imagined. And honestly, speaking about the bears kickers, I I know you probably took a look at, at what uh, Pinheiro said, I believe it was recently, if, if not today, it was yesterday, Monday, uh, talking about, it sounds like he's getting a little fatigued here, Alyssa. A little fatigued by the Bears competition. Starting to get to him a little bit. He's starting to say, you know, it's getting frustrating and annoying and wondering every kick if I miss it. Am I going to get cut and blah, 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 blah. We're starting to see a little bit of, cr- of a crack in the armor here of Eddie Pinheiro, whereas Elliot Fry, on the other hand, is a pro's pro right now. He's basically saying, well, yeah, I mean, this is being a kicker. Every kick could be your last. You're only as good as your last kick. And like, you kind of have to play the position with that mentality where, you know, if you miss a kick, you can be cut like period. That's just the way it is with this position in this sport. You are only paid to do one thing, make a kick. If you can't do that with consistency, high level consistency, yeah, you're going to get cut. But is it? Are you surprised that Pinero would openly say, "Like, yeah, it's starting to get to me a little bit." I'm a little surprised because I feel like part of the pressure—they're throwing all different kinds of pressure at these kickers, and one of the pressure—and it's not just a pressure unique to the Bears kicking competition; it's a pressure that all NFL kickers face. You know, okay, maybe not all of them, but most of them face, like you said, if you miss a kick, that could be your last, right? And so knowing that Elliot Fry has that understanding, I feel like Pinero's learning that, seeing how he's going to respond to it is part of that pressure. So I'm interested to see how he comes out on Friday. And I think the Bears, are, this is all part of the event. Like, I can't imagine what Eddie Pinero's inner circle, family, friends, agent, whoever, what they must be thinking right now. Because like everything you're doing, everything you're saying is being evaluated. It's all part of the job interview right now. How will you handle the pressure? Not just the kicks. Like, are you showing any signs of mental weakness? It takes serious mental fortitude, strength. You have to be able to zone out. You have to block out all the outside noise as a kicker specifically. It's like a guy shooting a free throw and a pressure-filled moment in an NBA game. You got to just deliver. It's like muscle memory. And there's nothing in the world that can influence your state of mind, change your stroke, make you come up a little short, make you push it a little long. That's what a kicker has to bring to the table. And for him, 
in the middle, I mean, I am like flabbergasted by this whole thing. In the middle of the highest profile kicker competition that you knew from the time you were traded for that this was going to be the deal, you have the balls to basically say, yeah, I'm, I'm a little fraud. This is getting a little annoying now. Like this is like, you know, a little too much. Are you kidding me? Like, are you a professional? Are you going to be the guy that the Bears can rely on when the pressure is on at its highest? This is nothing. This is nothing compared to a playoff kick. This is nothing compared to trying to win a game on a Sunday afternoon. You're trying to win your job. You're trying to become the starting kicker for the Chicago Bears. If you don't have the ability to deal with that pressure, to deal with the stress, to deal with the questions, how are you going to be able to kick the kick that the Bears need most? Like to me, honestly, I know it sounds crazy. Kicker job is done right now. Elliot Fry is my starting kicker. I know that sounds insane, but to me, you got to peek inside of Eddie Pinero's state of mind, inside of his head. And it's very rare for talent evaluators, for coaches, for general managers to be able to get inside a guy's head. That's what makes guys wash out of the league. That's what turns guys into superstars, that mental makeup, what's going on upstairs between the ears. And the hardest thing to evaluate, the hardest thing to scout, the hardest thing to get your finger on is that state of mind. You see it like when Cody Parkey went on Good Morning America and basically sold the Bears down the river, that was the death blow for him. Maybe the Bears would have given the guy another chance. Like we don't know what would have happened if he didn't make that horrible decision to go on national television and essentially make it the me instead of we, right? Eddie Pinheiro turned it into a me moment. This was all about him and him being frustrated about the kicker competition. And to me, it's almost like, man, if you could have one day to do over again, it would be that. And to not bring that type of attention, negative attention to yourself. Because if I'm the general manager, I am now 100% worried. Is Does this guy have it? Does he have what it takes to deliver under pressure over and over and over again? And on the flip side of that, Nobody's perfect. Guys are going to miss kicks. Guys are going to miss throws. Guys are going to miss blocks. Guys are going to drop passes. You have to be able to stand up in front of the media and face the music. You don't want to be a me guy, an attitude guy, a guy that is bigger than the team. You know, you don't think the Bears players are annoyed as hell at this whole freaking kicker competition? You don't think Matt Nagy is sick and tired of talking about it? Ryan Pace, Mitch Trubisky, nobody wants to deal with this stuff anymore. The fans are sick of it. The Bears fans don't want this kicker competition to keep going. But for the guy who's in the middle of it to be the only one that says he's sick of it, essentially like it's getting old. You know, I don't want to twist his words. You guys could check out bearswire.com. The article's up on the site about what he talked about. I don't know. I don't want to get, I, I have to get off my soapbox here, Alyssa. I can go on and on and on and on about this. You could tell, right? It's a lot of pent up kicker frustration here. I'm like, I'm, Absolutely. I'm vomiting kicker frustration right now. But you make a good point too about the mental aspect of it. Because at this point, if you, if say for we could redo that, that last kick against the Eagles, right? And you have Elliot Fry and you have Eddie Pinheiro. Tell me, who are you putting out in the field? I am not even hesitating right now. It is Elliot Fry. Exactly. And that goes back to the mental makeup. I think you make a great point there. And Elliot Fry had been the one that I picked from the beginning. Obviously, it's way too early to 
you know, to guess who's going to be the kicker. But I think that Matt Nagy definitely has that in mind. It, seeing Pinero have that meme moment, and he's made sure that this culture is all about we. So I'm sure that that's going to factor into the decision. I definitely think it's going to. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears ended up, you know, if, if a guy like Pinero doesn't stay kick for kick with Fry in this preseason game coming up, it might be over. Honestly, I know it sounds crazy. And Bears fans, you can tweet at me. You can retweet this. You can cut the audio clip. You could share it on Twitter. Do whatever you got to do. I don't know if it's going to make it past Friday night's game if Eddie, if Eddie Pinero doesn't have a good performance because that's how much every step of this process, every step of this competition matters. And here's the thing, Alyssa. Let's say the preseason ends and Elliot Fry is seven of eight, three for three in extra points. And Eddie Pinero is seven of eight, three for three for extra points. Something has to break the tie. Something has to make Ryan Pace say, this is my guy. And you know what it'll be? Pinero's recent comments. That is what will break the tie. 100%, in my opinion, that is what will break the tie. So if we kind of know that already, if Pinero struggles, the next time we see Pinero struggle, I think you're going to see Elliot Fry get the job. Think I'm crazy? No, I actually agree with you. I think so. I feel like this is... Eddie Pinero's job to, well, Elliot Fry's job to, I mean, he doesn't have to do anything as long as if, if Pinero goes out and he messes up and if he makes another comment like this, it, it's all but Fry's job. I, I agree with you. So tell me, Alyssa, give me a, a one of the things you're looking forward to Friday night with the Giants game. Is there anything that you want to see happen? Anything that you're interested in? I mean, are we going to, are we going to circle right back to the kickers again? I was going to say, because now with this, I'm curious because I want to see like, not that I want Pinero to struggle, but I'm curious to see what happens if he does to see if that does come to fruition. So obviously we're watching the kickers. I feel it. I mean, it's good when the kicker is, I mean, it's good, but it's bad when the kicker is the main focus, because that means that you're doing pretty well everywhere else. But I mean, I'm just ready for this kicker competition to be over. If David Montgomery does play, obviously I'm looking forward to him. I'm looking forward to Mitch Trubisky not throwing a pass. That would be great. Um, and I'd like to see a little bit more of Javon Wims as well. And, you know, Riley Ridley, we might get our first look at him too in the preseason. He, he seems like he's healthy and hopefully he'll play on, on Friday night. We'll know more as the week progresses. But Bears fans, thank you once again for coming back to Chicago Shuffle. Do us a favor. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Make sure you go to your favorite podcast provider and get us as we update new episodes on a weekly basis, if not more, as the season marches on. You'll get it right to your smartphone or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you rate and review the show as well. We appreciate all the ratings that are coming in on Apple Podcasts. The reviews have been awesome. Leave your comments there. Leave your questions there. Also, hit us up on Twitter, at Brian Perez NFL, at Alyssa Barbieri. We want to make sure that we're addressing some of the talking points that you guys want brought up on the show. So when we invite questions on Twitter for the episodes, please reply. Send us some questions along. Tell a friend. To tell two friends. Get, let's get Bears Nation united around the Chicago shuffle. Grow this thing organically to become your favorite Chicago Bears podcast. Next week this time, we'll have our second preseason game in the books. Maybe we'll have some more clarity on the kicker situation. Maybe Mitch Trubisky will have thrown a pass. But one thing I can guarantee you is the Chicago Shuffle will be back, and we'll talk to you next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.